Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast, the show where I sit down with former Amazon executives to discuss Amazon's unique principles and processes and tease out how you can apply them to grow and manage your business. I'm Tyler Wallace, a seven-year former Amazonian, current brand consultant, and your host as we learn to think like Amazon. Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Eugene Choi as our guest. Eugene spent over seven years at Amazon across various roles, including leading retail finance across Amazon's soft lines and apparel categories, and is a finance director with Amazon Web Services. Since his time at Amazon, Eugene has been a VP of finance at Oberto Snacks and recently joined Viacom CBS as SVP of finance. Eugene, welcome to the show. Hi, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and some of your work at Amazon. Yeah, so uh, I um, I play uh, a corporate finance person in my day job here, and I spent seven of those years in fi- corporate finance with Amazon, roughly seven anyway. I spent the first half of my time there on the retail side of the business in, re- in actually two different roles. I led the retail financial planning and analysis team, uh, which basically aggregates financials for all the product categories, retail product categories uh, worldwide there uh, from a financial standpoint. And then I uh, uh, was on the soft lines finance team, uh, which is soft lines is basically uh, soft things, clothing, shoes, jewelry, watches. Those are the types of product categories that fell, fell into that group. And then uh, the second half of my time at Amazon was with their AWS organization, which uh, Amazon Web Services, it's their cloud computing arm. There, I, I led finance for what we call data center operations, which um, which is the finance on the finance side partnered with the team that uh, runs the physical cloud computing data centers across the world. Then I did that for a little bit. Then I went to the what we call the AWS Global Expansion Team, which is a group that figures out and builds a business case for which regions we should expand to next in the world. You know, do we, do we open another uh, re- AWS cloud region uh, in say France, for example? And uh, so build out, building out the business case to, to do that or not do that for, for a given region, as well as help, helping the figure, company figure out how to uh, add capacity, cloud computing capacity in the existing regions we're at. And whether it's a new region or an existing region that we're expanding in, overseeing the procurement from a finance perspective, the, the, the land or real estate procurement facility uh, construction, and then the networking element of it, where we actually uh, finally connect these data centers to our customers. Very cool. A lot of really important work, I, I'm sure for anybody that's followed Amazon Web Services growth over the last few years can imagine you know, how <laughs> challenging that job must be to, to figure out how to effectively and efficiently as well, expand all the cloud and data center, you know, globally for Amazon. I imagine some folks listening might be curious. It seems like two pretty different businesses going from soft lines and apparel retail over to cloud data storage and, and global expansion. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, did those feel very different jobs and companies or did you find that there were a lot of similarities that carried over from those two? Well, it's funny. Yeah, yeah uh, the content is certainly 
the content that we manage was certainly that I managed was certainly very different. And uh, and to be honest, like if you look at my overall background, most of my background is actually more retail and consumer packaged goods type finance. So I, I actually had no business if you were to look at my background to be uh, in a tech finance type of world. But it turns out that uh, you know Amazon, you know, has just so much faith in the its leadership principles that you know it's it. Uh, it, 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 that they believe that you know anybody who who's got the leadership principles, you're pretty fungible within the organization. Uh, that that's really kind of what led the open the doors for me uh, to be able to get involved with in the AWS side of the organization. Yeah, it was different, but the, the those leadership principles. It turns out that just applying them, it's just all it is is applying them in different ways, and it turns out that if you do that, you can. Uh, you can figure out pretty quickly which way is up and where you need to prioritize things, where you need to dive into things. And, and before you know it, you know, add, add a lot of value to what the organization is trying to do. Yeah, very interesting. And love to get into a little bit more of how you use those leadership principles. And I know that one of the, the mantras that you've spoken to in the past is managed by the inputs. And I, I imagine that that was key as well. Can you maybe talk to us a little bit about how you know, in, in going over to that newer role in tech finance, how you used either Amazon's leadership principles or an input focus to, to quickly get up to speed? Yeah, I'll actually, uh, I'll talk about it in two ways, I guess. I'll actually start with the time in retail because that, um, I think it's a, that was the area when I really kind of first appreciated the, the importance of focusing on the inputs. I mean, one of Amazon's leadership principles is to deliver results. And Within you know within deliver results, it talks about we do that. It's not fo- not necessarily focusing on the results, but it's actually focusing on the inputs to achieve those results. And so I think one of the unique things I learned pretty quickly about Amazon is uh, it's not a place it's not a place that focuses on the competitions at all. Really, um, instead you know it's just we just maniacally focus on the customer. And work backwards from there. So before going to Amazon, I um, I used to work at PepsiCo, so Pepsi, right? Uh, and man, there'd be like literally these share reports that show up on your desk weekly. So you know that's a very comp- you know, it's a competitive industry, and we we focused a lot on our competitors to try and make sure we were winning at, at PepsiCo. At Amazon, like we never looked at our competitors, or very rarely anyway. And if it was, it was just more to make sure that. There wasn't something about the customer experience that someone else was doing that that we should be doing. And it was so it was all about making sure we're delivering the best possible customer experience. And so how that came to life for me anyway, uh, where it really opened my eyes is at Amazon. There's this, there's these weekly business reviews that happen across the business. Uh, so when I was in retail, when I was in the retail group, you know, like literally every product category team would meet weekly to assess the business. And on top of that, Jeff Wilkie, who he was the retail CEO at the time, uh, would also meet with not just like his direct reports, but it was this, it was this large room. I don't know, there's there over 100 people in there. And we met every single week and we went through this like 100 page deck. Um, and that deck had like, uh, this deck or this presentation had like, maybe five pages, not maybe not even that much of things that were related to what I call outputs or financial figures. I, I consider financial P&L results as outputs. And of, so we didn't talk about the 
P&L. We didn't talk about the financials. We'd go through numerous KPI metrics that were identified as, as being important to the customer experience. And, uh, and we basically took it as an article of faith that if we did those things right, the output financials would take care of themselves. And uh, so that's, so you take that uh, input focus. Now it's like your question, you, you know, you, you ask questions like, how did I do some of that in, uh, in AWS? And so uh, we, we, we had a similar weekly business review process, even in AWS. And so one of the things we would do is uh, we would look at spare parts, expenses on spare parts. Uh, you could look at it and be like, well, yeah, if things go up, uh, if spare parts expenses go up, that's that's a bad thing. If spare parts go expenses go down, that's a good thing. But that that was an instance where it's like, well, how do we actually influence that number? Because not only if spare parts expenses go up from a from an output financials perspective, is that a bad thing? Um, but it means things are breaking, and if things are breaking, that's a potential instance where we could be impacting our customers. Now, the reality there's a, there's enough redundant systems there that you know a couple breakages would would rarely you know directly impact a customer, but you're you're dipping into redundancies that you'd rather not have to dip into. So so the things some of the things we would do there is uh, we would um, we develop basically weekly reporting that showed. Not only uh, how much we were spending on these spare parts because things were breaking, but what exactly was breaking, and then from there we could see like when you, once you know what's breaking, or if you see a spike or unfavorable trend in, in something that's breaking, now you can talk to the engineers and say, "Hey, engineers, did you know that these specific parts on these on these particular servers, for example, are well, are breaking?" And now they have they now know like, "Oh, okay, I guess I better redesign that thing." And so that uh, not only then can we eliminate the expense in general, we also eliminate potential impacts to our customers. Yeah, the fascinating example. I mean, it it sounds like those metrics that you use on that weekly cadence helped you really root cause what was breaking and it gave you that visibility you needed. I'm curious, you mentioned before how you, at, during your time at PepsiCo, you get these share reports, you know, obviously in the businesses you worked in at Amazon, there are obviously some big players in the, the apparel and soft lines retail space. And then, you know, certainly the, the Microsoft and Google and other players in the cloud space. By focusing so much on those inputs on that weekly basis, did you ever feel like you were taking your eye off the ball and maybe missing kind of important indicators from the market in terms of revenue growth compared to, to competitors or benchmarking your profitability versus market average, uh, you know, other things that, that weren't as input focused. You know, it, it actually, if anything, felt liberating not to have to focus on competition. It, it turns out that just because the competition is doing something doesn't necessarily make it the right thing to do. And so PepsiCo, for example, the temptation was to look at what the competitors are doing and, and thinking like, well, gee, if they're doing that, maybe I should be doing that too. And it turns out that sometimes the things that they're, they're doing doesn't actually work. So it's like, good thing you didn't, we didn't do that. And so I, I think if you, the Amazon is approach really, it's I really kind of come to really embrace is you focus on what true north is and true north in this case is what our customers are saying and again it, it turns out that you'll win in the long run you know like aws you talk about uh, some of these big players out there and some of the what the competitors do from is 
they create certain practices or certain policies, for example, that can lock in a customer uh, and give customers less choice on how they decide to use the cloud or what elements of the cloud they want to use. And so from a pure selfish company standpoint, yeah, they're probably doing the right thing. It is, but it's not that those same practices aren't things, for example, that AWS ever embraced. And uh, and as a result, I think that that's, that's probably one of the key reasons why we continue to uh, win customers, you know, at, at a faster rate uh, than, than than anyone else. It sounds like uh, across a few of your comments that you found this input metric focus to be very integrated with the customer focus, uh, the two go hand in hand. I'd love to ask, you know, you, you spent, a, it looks like over seven years at Amazon and clearly um, adopted and approaches that Amazon uses. Uh, curious, you know, when, when you were early on in your tenure at Amazon and maybe, uh, you know, newer to that culture there, did you have any reservations about, about this focus uh, or kind of adopting an input customer focus to growth of, of your department or of the financials? Was there anything that, that took some time and, and took some kind of adoption or evidence for you to encounter to, to finally drink the Kool-Aid, so to say? You know, uh, coming to Amazon, I think in general is a is kind of a culture shock for anyone, just because uh, I'll call it the pace and level of passion. I'll call it that everyone works at. It's unlike anywhere else, and it's uh, it's not it's not just this focused on uh, you know delivering results by focusing on the inputs. It's the uh, it's all those leadership principles combined that uh, that make this. Kool-Aid. It's the, the leadership principles, you know, like it's the insisting on high standards to the, you know, it's like it drives people, that passion is what drives people to insist on high standards, for example, where like not only are they insisting high standards for themselves, but they're insisting on high standards from the inputs they receive from their team members, for example. The dive deep, it's like, wow, like I had, I had never seen senior levels of organization so fluent in the minutia of the details because they just dive deep and, and, and it just drives you. And uh, I think that's kind of the, um, the, level of in, the level of passion and intensity on all those leadership principles that different people bring. And, it's, and some people, you know, it, it's, it, by the way, it's like really difficult to be really good at all of them, but you, know, you, you double down on what you're good at and, and you, you try not to uh, let, the, let the other things that don't come as naturally to you hold you back. And, and you, when you've got a whole team of people doing this, you know, it's, uh, it makes for a, you know an environment that's very unlike anywhere else, and I think that's the that's the part that's the culture shock that people come into and are uh, are surprised by. It takes a little time getting used to, quite frankly. Yeah, definitely my experience as well. Uh, I remember being surprised coming to Amazon. I was like, "Oh, okay." I knew I knew of the about the leadership principles. I I was shocked when I saw how ingrained they were uh, in daily conversation. Yeah. Well, you know, you've uh, you've now had a few years and you know, a couple of different roles at this point uh, since your time at Amazon. So I'd love to hear, and, and maybe this is a good kind of transition point because you were just talking about the culture differences coming into Amazon. Love to hear a little bit about how that culture change was leaving Amazon and going somewhere else, and and in particular, you know, we we're chatting a little bit before the the episode here about uh, how 
you know, these Amazon principles have, have kind of lived with you. Can you can you talk a little bit about what was the experience like for you going from Amazon over to Alberto? And did you have any examples or experiences where you were able to apply that same input focused approach in, in your work at a new company? Oh, I, oh, I'll take that with me every day. At Alberto, you know, one of the things that, that I remember was I got the, I would get these reports that showed like, hey, for whatever reason, we were short on inventory. And so um, we weren't, we called the short ship report. We, we couldn't ship all the product that a customer ordered. And so right away, the customer focus kicks in. It's like, wow, like all I know is if I order something on Amazon or anywhere, I ordered something and they didn't have it, I, I wouldn't be very happy about that. So, gee, I wonder you know, like, if this can't be good that we're not meeting the, what, our, what our customers are ordering. And so then the ownership principle kicks in where, uh, you, you know, just because it's not because I'm a finance person. Right. But uh, you don't stop at your swim lane. You, you, you kind of walk around like, so what happened? Like, how did it happen that we're starting to cut these orders or short shift these orders? And so it turns out that, you know, the operations team, what they, what they would tell you is like one of one of several things could happen. Like for some reason, you know, whatever they were planning to produce, they didn't produce enough of. But they, what they're what they what they were telling me is like, yeah, we're producing for the most part everything that, you know, is on our production schedule. But the customers are ordering different things. So it's like, huh, well, why is that? Uh, let's go talk to, let's go look at where this uh, production plan comes from. And it comes from some kind of a demand signal, essentially forecast of, you know, what, what we think our customers are going to order. And we look into that and it's like, yeah, well, it turns out that our, so it's basically a forecast of customer orders, the start of this whole inventory build signal. And it turns out that our forecast accuracy was like, was terrible. So what started as, as uh, you know, like an inventory finished goods inventory problem, we traced all the way back to the demand signal. Then we, we put in some telemetry to start measuring our forecast accuracy. And, and, and we validated, by the way, that, that our forecast accuracy was terrible. We, we started meeting very, very regularly on to review what the, what the forecast was and then sanitize and scrub it. And, and, so, uh, uh, and so those were the steps we took to finally get to a better place, how we were going to meet our customer demand. Yeah. It, it, even today, right now, I'll just tell you, like Viacom CBS, you know, we've got a lot of exciting projects uh, that we're doing right now, a lot of capital projects. So I lead, I lead the uh, tech finance organization that partners with with the CTO, Chief Technology Officers Organization. And streaming is a big deal right now. We've got a lot of exciting things going on to make sure that we're uh, setting up a platform to stream a lot of cool content. And so we, you know, we, we have these deliverables, if you will, of like, yeah, these are the new product or development engineering platforms that are going to come online. And, and we're expecting those benefits to hit, you know, at certain milestone dates. Well, we can focus on those milestone dates, but if we get to the milestone date and it turns out that things are late, it's like it's too late to react. It's already late. So we're going through. We're in the process of going through every single project right now, and starting with the what I call the benefits realization date, working backwards from there on when does the capital then need to be installed by, and if we need the capital installed by that by by some date, work backwards from there. Where the inputs to that is okay. Well, that means the business case. So that that kicks off whether or not we should even do the project needs to be approved by some date. And so that is a date we're going to start monitoring. So like when, when you know, April comes and, uh, for example, by the end of April, we, we were supposed to have, you know, 
some number of business cases validated to confirm that we do in fact want to do them, that, that they're going to achieve the, the returns we expect them to do. If those business cases haven't been developed yet, that's a signal when we start worrying about, uh-oh, looks like we're going to be late on delivering some platforms that, cust- that we were hoping to deliver for our customers. Both great examples. One thing you you brought up, Eugene, in, in uh, both instances, you, you talked about uh, Alberto with the short ships and working backwards. To It led you to that inventory planning and the uh, calibration needed to take place there. And then CBS Viacom working back from these milestones in these projects. So, so I, I'm seeing a bit of this approach in terms of like something's wrong. Let's work backwards from there to understand, you know, what is upstream from that. Right. Yeah. Uh, what happens before that, that maybe a little bit more in control or, you know, under the control in the organization and then track that as a metric. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I, you know, when you come into new business and you or, or even if you just notice that something is not right in your existing business, what mental model or framework do you typically find yourself using to identify those right inputs? Hmm. You know, it's uh I don't know that it's rocket science so much as discipline. And uh, at least to me, it's like when, when you stop and think about it, it's not it's very logical to say if this is the desired output that you want, then you have to make sure that all the inputs, ingredients, if you will, uh, the processes come together. It's the discipline, though, to to actually take the time and think critically on what those things should be. And some of those things require, I'll call it maybe connecting more dots, and some of them will just jump right out at you. But uh, it's the, you know, I guess it goes back to the dive deep principle there, where uh, you just keep, you know, you ask the five whys. You uh, you don't stop at your swim lane. That you uh, just because you don't have all the all the data exactly uh, right in front of you, you uh, you, you, may, you may take some calculated bets. That's the bias for action principle, and so, you know, I think it's it really just comes down to discipline as opposed to uh, to, to sit and think critically about those things versus, uh, you know, there's a, versus following some formula, if you will. Yeah, it sounds like you definitely have to not slow down, take the time, invest the time to to really figure out what's going on and, you know, not move on from the problem until you understand that key driver. Um, it, which can take some time, right? But but then allows you to act quickly once you understand it. In your opinion, you know, you've obviously been in a number of companies throughout your career. What does a department or company need to consider to empower its employees to focus on delivering the right inputs and and maybe taking a little bit more of this approach? I think it's empowering them. I guess starts with well trust that uh, you know you, you you give them the ability to uh, find these opportunities and and, and run with them. There's a lot of there's some organizations I'll call it that are that I'll, I'll call it a little more command and control. And Amazon just happens to be one of those places where uh, that entrepreneurial spirit is kind of fed into, and that entrepreneurial spirit comes in many different flavors, not just what what you happen to sell or make, but uh, how you support your stakeholders. And and there is an element of another Amazon principle: hire and develop the best, but if you bring in the right people, equip them and develop them with the right skill sets and then let them run with it. I mean, I think I think from there, uh, the, the behaviors, if you will, uh, will, will start to come come naturally if you do it right. At least that's my opinion. It's how I uh, try to run my teams anyway. 
Yeah, it's not just a matter of uh, retraining, but looking for the right people that show maybe an aptitude for taking that approach and focusing on the details and uh, starting at the hiring process. Hiring is an input, right? That you know, a great one of the most important inputs is the hiring who you fill that team with. <laughs> yeah, way to, way to bring things full circle. Um, <laughs> well, also, uh, any final advice for listeners on on how they can take steps to incorporate more of an input focus in their own work? You know, I, I guess I'll just reiterate. You know, like it's managing inputs at the end of the day is about working backwards to deliver results. You start with working backwards and determine what the inputs are and you know, it's, it's not rocket science. Uh, it just, to my opinion, it just requires discipline to take the time to not only, not only think deeply about what the right input metrics or activities need to be, but, uh, I guess I'll, I'll just, I'll add to that. I guess I don't know why just not only what are the right inputs, but developing the mechanisms to monitor, uh, to make and monitor those inputs regularly. So for example, when I talked about Abordo snacks and we looked at the demand signal, uh, the forecast accuracy, you could you could say we're just going to put more focus on it, but we actually measured ourselves. Like, okay, what did the forecast say? How did the orders actually come in? And so we physically measured that accuracy and we and we monitored that. So uh, that's the discipline that comes in thinking about it and developing the mechanisms to track it and uh, be intentional about it. That's fantastic advice. So work backwards and and identify that controllable input, but then have that discipline to create metrics and mechanisms to track that going forward. Hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Wonderful, Eugene. I appreciate the knowledge that you've parted on us today. Where can listeners follow you or your work? Well, right now, like I said, I'm having a fun time leading the tech finance team at Viacom CBS. Um, Company is doing great things leveraging technology to delight our customers in tangible ways through multiple media outlets. There's, uh, we, are, we are launching Paramount Plus streaming service. So uh, that's the team I support is a big part of that. And so uh, hopefully you can tune in there and you can see a lot of cool things we're doing there. Excited to see some more shows as we all hunker down at home during COVID. Well, fantastic. Thanks again for your time, Eugene. Maybe we'll have you on again at, at some future point to talk a little bit more about your Amazon knowledge and, and principles you've taken away. Awesome. Thanks, Tyler.